Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Show Up with Cameron Gran. As always, I'm just a friend trying to showcase some of the tools that he's learned that have helped him along his own mental health journey. You can take them, you can leave them, you can be like, no thanks, dude. That's all good and fun. As long as you are doing what's best for you and your own mental health, that's all that matters. But a couple things about me, as you guys are going to see, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, a lot of episodes just came out today. These are episodes that have were played live on the radio, but I haven't been able to do podcasts because a lot of stuff happened in May. I'm not going to go over them because they don't only involve me, but there are a lot of things that like prevented me from getting and doing these like video edits for you guys. And I hope that's okay with you guys because I realized I needed my own mental health break because one, it was Mental Health Awareness Month. And if I don't have the awareness to know what I need to break, I don't know what I have. Uh, hopefully you guys celebrated that month by taking a little time outside of yourself, you know, chilling, vibing, you know, doing anything you can just to like reconnect with yourself and make sure that you're doing everything possible to make sure you're grounded and can go through life and be happy. Now, last week we had an interview with Aaron Kennedy from Comedy Sports. If you are struggling, go and watch the interview. It's amazing. I've always been connected to improv and to see how comedy can help you adapt and be on your feet when you're struggling is something that really helped me in that interview. Today, I'm not going to do DBT skills just because I have a lot of stuff going on. I'm hoping by next week or the week after I'll be able to get back into my normal rhythm because it's been a lot, guys, a lot. This week, I decided that I'm going to react to an episode of Hoarder. Why, you ask? Not because I'm a hoarder, but because I realize that I am somebody who, when I'm struggling with my mental health, my environment starts to reflect it. Um, in order to prevent that from happening, I have to recognize what's a mess and what's me trying to avoid what's going on inside my head. That can be a hardest thing to make, but as you question and you stop and ponder yourself a little more, you'll start to slowly realize when you're doing that and when you are actually not able to do things because it's kind of like you don't want to be avoiding anything. And that's the important key. If you're avoiding something by not doing it, then it's an issue. But if you just don't want to do it, that's fine. But you got to make sure you're not avoiding anything because avoidance is never the answer. You want to face everything head on so you can embrace it in that moment, have it have its little moment and then be like, let it go. You have, you've had your time. It's time to move on. So as we jump into this uh, episode of Hoarders, it's called Terry. All right, let's get into it. Let's watch this episode. So this is season 13 of Hoarders. I'm not saying people are getting worse, but it's odd that you would buy a home, me, who still rents. See, things is odd. And not be able to live in that home before you hoard yourself out of that home. Because that seems to mean that you already had a giant amount of stuff. And I don't even, I can't even afford a storage unit. So how can you afford all that stuff? You know, it's baffling to me. Me. But it's kind of like, I think, similar to how we think we're on a good path. We think we're doing everything correctly. And then we realize that we just put ourselves in a position where we thought we could handle it. But really, we placed ourselves in a, an area where everybody else around us is enjoying something. And we really just locked ourselves away and aren't able to enjoy that thing. In this example, obviously, hoarding a house means nobody can go into that house. But what I mean by that is having a house is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be more secure. It's supposed to make you feel safe. It's supposed to give you like a place to go and relax and enjoy. But because you've hoarded it, you have no access to it. You have no place to go and relax, you know, have a little bubble bath, whatever you want to do. You don't have those options when you 
basically block yourself from ever going in there. And that's what I mean more of like everyone else gets to enjoy those things in their houses and because you've hoarded it, you don't get to have those relaxing things. You really just have to stress of this is a hoard. It's not safe. You're climbing over it. Obviously people who hoard don't normally think along those lines because if you, they realized how unsafe it was, they wouldn't hoard to begin with. But hoarders is kind of a, a look upon like a mental health topic alone. But the reason why I watch this show is because I find that when it's been a minute since I've been to a therapist, it helps me because I can separate my thing from what they're just discussing in the show. But it helps me because I'm like, okay, what is the doctor trying to tell this person? What things is she sharing that might be reflective of my own life? Can I take any of those like notes, those tools that she's giving and use it for me? It can be hard to get rid of things, especially when they have family value. But if you don't have an attachment to it, because people think just because your family touched something that you have to keep it. And I do, I do think that you should keep family possessions if they're nostalgic for you. But I also feel like they should be things that you personally are connected to, not something you're keeping out of family obligation, because then it's just something that you're going to keep and then you're going to pass away and then your, your child's going to keep and you're going to pass away. But to me, that's not what I would want for that kind of passing on. I want it to be like an experience that I built this dresser with my child and then my child took this dresser and painted it with her child. And then by the time that child had their child, it was all like warped, need a little bit of sanding and then repainting or like uh, staining. So then that's their experience with that child. You can have family heirlooms that you pass on, but make sure if it's a family heirloom, it's an experience that you had with your family. I decided to stop it at two minutes and two seconds. This is the part where Terry, the hoarder, just said that she has collected way, way too much. And the reason why I decided to stop it there is because it can be hard for us to recognize when we have an issue or a problem. And while we may not know how to address it or how to solve it in a healthy manner, what I like about this is the first key to getting help for anything affecting you mentally is just to recognize and accept that you do have a problem. Because if you're avoiding that problem, it's never going to get better. You can only get better by actually recognizing it and then being like, okay, what can I do to solve this? So in this case, obviously this woman, Terry, reached out to hoarders and then asked them to help her, one, clear out her house. Maybe it's required because sometimes the state requires them to leave things, but also usually uh, people reach out to hoarders because they're like, okay, while I'm getting rid of it, I'll have this therapist on, on standby who can help me work through all the emotional trauma that's going to basically be on you like a, a wave of water pushing you down because until they're done, they're, it's just going to keep constantly be getting removed. And usually if you're a hoarder, it's not as simple as just throwing something out. Usually you have an emotional attachment to it because it, it has some kind of like protective or any kind of safety net for somebody. So I decided to stop it at uh, 418 because we just were introduced to Craig, who is basically this man who's been with Terry for 45 years. And then it shows you a picture of them as teenagers together, but they're not married and they're not together because of Terry's attachment to her things and her inability to live a certain lifestyle that Craig needs to function in his own house. And it's kind of like one of those things where you pause and question, why is Craig with Terry? But something that I love that the show definitely highlights very well is hoarding is a mental illness. 19 million Americans are affected with it. It even starts to show that way. But what I love about what Craig is doing is instead of blaming or hating Terry for like 
not allowing them to be together for that long. He has like basically said, I still love you. I want to be with you, but I can't live in a house with you because that's not the way that I want to live. But it's been 45 years. And as we'll see on the course of this episode, he wants to be with Terry, but he can't deal with the hoarding anymore. And I feel like 45 years of not being able to live with the woman you love is a good complaint to have, especially when she uses the hoarding not to live with him, but will then go and live with somebody she's caring for who then treats her as though they're in a relationship. And the reason why I understand that dynamic is because when you live with somebody and you're the independent caretaker, they feel like they have like this ownership over you. And the reason why I say that is because I did that for a while for my mother and I realized the change that happened that happened in a relationship because it went from interacting and like having conversations and like being there for each other to suddenly I was being treated as though I wasn't an employee and not an equal or a child. I, like if my mom wanted to do something she'd asked me to do it. Me, I was only approved for 80 hours a month, which is like part-time 20 hours a week actually it was 60 so probably more like 12. I did do all that but I was just like she never wants to hang out with me and I only have to do this for 60 hours in a month but she never like asked me to do anything unless she wants something for herself and that was something that like everyone who does independent contracting or independent care has to deal with it's like you have to disassociate like the person from the way they're treating you and that's why I don't feel like I would be good in healthcare because uh, it's very hard especially when people are like injured or sometimes really rude for no reason it's hard to remember that that's not personal they're just hurt and their own and scared and I can usually deal with that if it's like a directed other places but I have I have had people directed at me and it's harder to think rationally when that happens as you like if you watch this episode you'll see that Terry is a very like a uh, talkative woman who wants to like be there with people and understand them but when she like feels back into a corner because they're now shifting her possessions and any of that kind of stuff that's when she gets scared and like turns into like this almost injured animal getting attacked when none of it's personal they're just trying to help her work through her hoarding disorder so that way she can have a better life and hopefully get together with Craig. I decided to stop at 12.32 because this is the part where Terry is living with her patient Roy. He's looking at her as a wife, not a caregiver. And so he gets jealous when she goes over to Craig's house, who she's been with for 45 years. The reason why I decided to stop it is because basically I wanted to go over something that really helped me is because Terry said, well, if I only had a few items, I would leave Roy's because I have all this stuff here. I can't do that. Now, this is a separate thing, but this is a great way to highlight uh, this thing that I learned, which is sunken cost. A lot of times people think of sunken cost as money financially. Uh, what does it something cost you? And you can definitely, if you're if that's a way to motivate yourself use money as a way of motivation because basically what happens is when you do something and it goes bad say you lose 10 grand and then you're like well the only way i can get out of this is by continuing to do this bad thing and hope that it'll come around and make me back that 10 grand because it, it took that 10 grand from me well if you continue towards something that's losing you that amount of money it'd be a lot easier for you to realize the sunken cost which is 10 grand and then you're like okay remove that what can i do to pivot should i just leave and find something else to do that won't have my finances being sunk further? Should I figure out another route to take to help hopefully regain it? Because if I continue with what I've been doing, I'm just going to be continuing to make decisions based on the sunken cost of 10 grand, but that 10 grand's already gone. You're not going to get it back. All you can do is hope that the future money is better. I stopped that here because for me, I realize like that sunken cost can be a motivational factor to continue doing something bad that's actually hurting you. If people are treating you terribly and you went a 
long distance to go and see them or any of like those kind of things that happen you use a lot of sunken costs like money to push yourself to stay in a bad situation oh well i did all like i set up this party at like this restaurant and i paid for them to reserve it for the room and then i got there because i wanted to have a special like engagement with my friends but then they just treated me cra like crap and i set up a party for them but i paid for it so i have to stay well the truth is you don't have to stay you can just leave because the sunken cost is the money what you're actually losing is the time that you're forcing yourself to remain miserable because you want to make sure that you get your money's worth. So that money's not going to come back. It's not going to like somehow get better if you leave 20 minutes after arriving opposed to two hours because you're going to lose that two hours of money no matter what. What you can gain back is that time that you would be wasting. And that's important because time is precious. A lot of people think that money is the only thing that you need to be happy, but money takes time to make so if you're spending all your time making money and you're not doing things to look after your mental health then it can be an issue because you're so focused on that you're letting all these other things fall through the crack i stopped it here because i just wanted to highlight that the sunken cost having all your things in somebody else's house is nothing compared to you being mentally healthy and being able to have happiness every day because that's the goal you want to be able to put yourself in a position where you can allow happiness come into your life. But if you're putting up all these walls that are preventing you from doing that, then you will never have an opportunity for happiness because you will always be thinking about all the things that put you somewhere. And you have already lost those things. Like that's the past. The past you can never regain. You can only learn from it, but you need to do it without sinking into the emotional feelings that come from the past, especially when we mess up and our embarrassment, our, our nostalgia, or like the what ifs of what if I had done this better. You don't need that. That's the, the past has happened. It's sunken. All you can do is affect this moment and hopefully alter your future. But you only have those really two options. And even the future you have, you don't have very little control on. I decided to stop it real quick because this is the part where Robin Zazio, the therapist that comes in and meets Terry for the first time. And the reason why I decided to stop it is because there are a lot of therapists on Hoarder. But she is my favorite one because I feel like she's one of the few therapists on the show that even though she has all this training and all these like tools that she wants to give people, I feel like she also gives people the opportunity to come as they are. She sees them as the human beings that they are and then tries to navigate through the windy road that is their hoarding disorder so that they can find their way back to some semblance of a normal life and hopefully happiness down the road. And that's why I like her so much is because I always feel like it's not just about like the hoarding. It's also about finding and seeing somebody for who they are. And I feel like it's rare to have a therapist who just wants to see you first. And then when she sees you and knows you, tries to help you from there. And I, I always like Robin for that reason. We are 20 minutes in. Terry just said to Craig, you know that I love you more than I love my stuff. And the reason why I decided to pause was because I feel like his Craig can't really respond to this. This is kind of what, as I grew older, I started to realize is I would have these deep conversations with people and they tell me everything I want to hear, but then they would go back to the same behavior. And somebody that you don't really care about, eh, 
Who cares? Let them go. But people that have been in your lives for a long time, in this case, Terry, 43 years. I thought it was 45, but apparently it's 43. You'd think that they would have found a way, but like because it's been 43 years, you have a, oh, you always say this to me, so I don't know because you keep telling me that I mean more to you than your stuff, but you get more stuff and then you never clear out the house that you bought for 23 years or so. So we've never lived there and we've never lived together and you didn't move in with me, you moved in with Roy instead of moving in with me, your boyfriend. So it's kind of like one of those things where like I call it the unreliable narrator where like you kind of have to like have a friend where you're really close with them but you're like I'm gonna distance myself just a little bit because I need to love you based on your actions and not your words because if I think of your words as truth I'm always going to get upset whereas if I see your actions and they reflect what you're saying then I know that we can go forward from here because a lot of times people show you who they really are and what you really mean to them with their actions not with their words because everybody wants to believe they're capable of being the best and everyone has the awareness to know that they don't actually want the things that their brains are telling them to say out loud and it took me a long time to realize that because my brain is just one that if I say something to somebody I mean it 100% and if I feel like I'm in a like back into a corner and somebody's asking me to tell them something and I'm like I cannot say this it would be a lie I, and I like lying is the worst thing don't lie to anybody always tell them the truth because the, pe the people who are close to you are supposed to be the ones that you can be your truthful authentic self sometimes I can get you in trouble because then it's you can be mean those things can be dealt with but like I will not lie to anybody I will probably not respond to some questions if I feel like the only way of responding is to lie. And so that's something that I've worked with myself through therapy is just how can I understand what people are trying to tell me even though they're saying these certain things but their actions are saying the opposite. Instead of like getting upset with them, let me just look at their actions, be okay with them. Because trying to understand why they wouldn't follow through with what they say is a road that nobody wins because then you're just like what ifing and getting upset. Not for no reason, but for a reason that you will probably never get closure for until you accept whatever that thing that they're your friends or your family or whoever is too afraid to tell you out loud so they're doing it with their actions and not their words so it's kind of like that thing is craig wants to be with terry and terry is like you know i love you more than my stuff well if you love him more than your stuff then do it you know get rid of your stuff so you guys can live together because you guys are both old and you don't know how much time you have left and you should enjoy that time with each other life is important you have to embrace every moment. Okay, we are at 26 minutes. It's the first time that uh, Terry is actually in front of her family, had them see what she's done to her house. And the reason why I stopped there is because a lot of time, like talking to people we love seems like the scariest thing in the world to do. But for me, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I have anticipation anxiety. So what that means for me is I will dread doing the thing way more than actually doing it. The amount of years she's avoided talking to people she's loved or letting them see what's happening because obviously you're probably embarrassed that it got so bad but you didn't think it would be that bad when you just started just getting things that gave you a temporary high because shopping does that to people sometimes. I just started realizing I was doing that with everything. Like I would not, like a simple conversation with a friend would take me a week and a half to two weeks to come up with enough courage to tell them. So for two weeks I'm like torturing myself for basically what ends up being a five 
minute or less conversation. And then that's kind of why I'm now one of those people who just tries to say what I need to say like as soon as I can. Sometimes it's not in the moment. Sometimes I do need like an hour or two to think about it and then come back. But I try not to let it go on for a very long time because that intuition anxiety really kills me. It's like the what if scenarios. It just makes my anxiety go up because what are all the things that somebody could say? What are the things they've said to me in the past? And then you start inventing and then using your imagination. And then you're like, is this really how they would react? Or is this how my brain would have them react? And I feel like as, as you know people, you start to realize the difference between your version of them in your head and the reality of who they are. Again, why actions are more important than words. Because if you take people by what they say, then you would be like, oh, well, we're not close friends because like the way they talk to me and it is kind of making me feel that way. But then they start doing these things for you. And then you're like, I don't understand how to take this because this is not how I felt based on what you were saying to me at the time. I mean, it's kind of like you have to live that balance between action and words. And same thing with like anticipation anxiety. You can just talk to your friend and see how it goes. Because a lot of times your extreme overthought out version of the events is a thousand times worse than it ever actually would be. Also, especially when most of the times when I need to talk to people, it's I'm upset and I need something specific, but I'm not going to blame you for you being yourself. But we're two people coming together, which means that we should be able to work on a way to like be good friends or family or anything so we can coincide and make sure that when we're together, we're full of happiness. One in person should not be miserable and the other one happy. Like happiness this should be equal. You know what I mean? Like, I get so upset when I find out like later that my friend was upset at me and we were doing this fun thing. And I'm like, I wish you had told me then, not because I am mad that you are telling me now, but because if you had said it then, like 20 minutes into us going on this like awesome trip, we could have spent 10 minutes dealing with that. And then you could have experienced the rest of that vacation or whatever with us and being happy. But instead you spend all that time thinking and dreading and being upset. And it's kind of like those kind of things. Like, what are you sacrificing in your mind? to allow these things to happen like because that is time of misery that you didn't need to spend and that's kind of how I think of it now is like just do the thing so I don't I'm not miserable anymore like I like did improv last year and then I also did a baking show and then like I learned things from it and my plan is to figure out how I could utilize that utilize that for myself but I'm moving and I'm pushing forward I'm not going to judge myself for what happened after but the important thing was I spent years and years of my life thinking about doing those things when if I had just did them, I would have my answer quicker. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my life now. Just, just do auditions. Just do the things that scare me because I'd much rather be rejected than think about all the ways somebody could reject me. Because I'm sorry, you cannot reject me harder than I can reject myself because I reject myself every day. That sounds sad, but the clarity you get from realizing that gives you the freedom to accept opportunities as they come because then you're like i'm rejecting myself for no reason like let me actually breathe come back to center and allow what's happening around me to actually affect me don't just assume anything in my brain because your brain does not know reality. Okay, we are about 37 minutes in and I stopped it because this is the part where uh, Terry is getting questioned by basically the uh, garbage storage removal of everything in Terry's house. Guy, I don't know his name, but the reason why I stopped it here is if you would take uh, that guy, you just look at him as a metaphor for our thoughts. So Terry is trying to go through everything and choose what she wants, but she's having a hard time letting go because in her brain, she's just seeing all these things that she wants to keep and because that's what her brain has been conditioned to think like. But but he is playing the role of logic or like you underneath your disorder or what's your depression or your trauma. And the reason I wanted to point that out is because a lot of times it can take 
weeks to finally hear our own voice behind all those thoughts that have just been like controlling us for so long. And a lot of times we think that we're making the correct decisions, but when we finally hear that voice, we're like, oh, okay, that's how I should be thinking. I've been thinking about it all wrong because I have just been trying to function, not to live and not to thrive because you want to be able to experience life and be happy. You don't want to have to experience all these hard things or sad things. Like you, They will happen. Life happens. We want to let those things happen by themselves. You don't want those things to control your life. You want them to come in. You deal with them as they come. You feel those emotions and then you let them go. You don't want to like prolong those moments for, in her case, over 43 years because that's why she's not married to Craig. Like if she could just hear those like her thoughts and catch like the negative thoughts as they're happening, she'd be able to like reshape how she thinks and that's usually the start of any kind of mental health journey is you have to be able to one recognize the thoughts as they're happening two question them and then three choose how to navigate around them or sometimes through them so that way you're not avoiding you're accepting everything as it comes and then you're letting it go and opening yourself up just to live because that's really all i want is a, the peace of mind and the ability to live my life every day to the fullest and i feel like terry and craig both deserve to have that wonderful life together which is why i chose this episode because it's so heart-wrenching that they can't have that and I hope that after this episode like they do have that time together. We are 40 minutes in and the reason why I stopped it is at this point they have now brought everything um, out of the house into this little area for Terry to look at before they throw away. Obviously not everything because they're still getting rid of stuff. The reason why I stopped it was because I wanted to make this kind of an example of FOMO. Fear missing out. That's kind of where this reminds me of. Is the reason why they're showing her everything is not because they want her to keep everything but if she can't at least glance at it, then she's going to feel like she missed out on something which could negatively affect her emotionally later. But if she can look at it and acknowledge I'm letting that go, that's fine. It's, it, will, it doesn't hurt me at all in my life. Then she won't experience FOMO. So then when she moves through and deals with this like later on in future therapy, she won't be regretting this, which is kind of, I feel like a cool thing they introduced to let somebody who is like hoarding and collecting see the things that are being thrown away so they don't think you're just throwing things away for no reason. Like let them know the logic behind what you're doing. And I just wanted to stop that to point that out. I decided to stop at uh, 44 minutes in because this is the part where Dr. Robin decided to take Craig to Terry to have her kind of get a reward for making all these hard decisions by giving her a hug. And the reason why I liked this is because I feel like a lot of times we feel so isolated by our mental health that we forget who we're supposed to be enjoying life with because our brains and our thoughts are solitary. We don't often hear people in our heads. So what I liked about that is like by reminding Terry that the goal is for them to be together so that way they can have life as like one unit rather than separate because of all this hoard. And I like that because a lot of times, again, isol uh, isolation and mental health when you're struggling. But when we find help or when we ask to talk to somebody that we trust, we're opening ourselves up to not be alone anymore. And I feel like that's important to recognize when you do open yourself up, don't just vent to somebody. Recognize if they're there with you, if they're spending that time to try to work through what's going on with you, and that's somebody that cares for you. And that time they're spending with you means that they love you and that you matter to them. And, and sometimes we forget to acknowledge those things because it seems so infinitesimal in our brains because we're so wrapped up in our own depression. But those seconds matter because people don't have to do that for you. So you should like appreciate those moments that people are there for you. We are an hour in. I decided to stop it because this is the part where Terry gets to really 
really heated and it's very hot. She's like very, very like defensive. She thinks everybody's like trying to do these things against her, even though they're just trying to make sure at the end of the day she can use her house because like, you know, code has made it so she can't inhabit it. And they're just trying to make it so it, it is inhabitable. But the reason why I stopped it here was because I think it's important for all you guys to recognize when you are over the threshold of being able to think rationally, it's hard to think of people trying to help you. And the reason why I say that is because this has nothing to do with her disorder. If you watch the episode, basically she has this morning and like people were talking to her. And so she's like getting rid of all the stuff for people. And then they kind of acted as though it was worthless. And so now she's over her peak because she's so angry. So people are trying to ask her to like think back to how she was thinking the day before. But she can't do that because she's so wrapped up in her own anger and, and being upset because she's heated and her emotions are on high. And so she doesn't have like the emotional space to think rationally in her brain because she's all in emotional mind and not in wise mind. And in order to get there, she needs to calm down and then allow things to slowly sink back in. But unfortunately, if we're over that peak, it's hard for us to come back to our calm self to then think both rationally and emotionally together. But that's why I stopped it is because uh, she's in the defensive. I want anybody out there who watched it, if like if they are, are seeing that, I wanted them to realize that if you yourself are in that overly heightened place, you might not realize you're doing certain things. And all you need to do is wait for the storm to pass enough that you get below that threshold. Then you can start doing the different tactics and tools that I've been trying to teach you. So that way you can go through life and you can get back to normal and be able to function. Um, and the more you practice those tools or more that you practice trying to deal with a crisis and come down from it, the more easier it will become. But it, that's why avoidance is not the answer to this, because if you avoid it, it becomes stronger. And then those heightened states can last hours, if not days. Whereas if you deal with it head on and you go through those emotions, it gets less powerful. So then it can slowly becomes like you might get super heightenedly sensitive for like five, 10 minutes, but then it goes away. And you kind of want a balance of that because you don't always want to be upset because you're not facing it head on. And that's kind of what she's doing, but she just has to work through that. And so she can finally get back to hopefully making it a nice home for herself to live in. I decided to stop here because we are an hour and three minutes in, and this is the part where Dr. Zazio um, has to call in. She's a mandated reporter. And I stopped it here because I had to do this also as a caregiver for my mother. My mother and my sister were allowing things to happen in the home that I came to live with them uh, with like, and they had four children with them and it was not safe. And I could tell because I was trying to help them that they were both more concerned with trying to cover up what was actually happening than, than making it safe for four children. And that really got me down because every time I bring it up, they would just start acting as though I was the person responsible. But um, if you're a mandated reporter, and you're found to have not reported, then you are automatically facing prison time. Because if you see anything wrong, you have to report it. And the, the double standard for that is with with my sister's children, I like I am separated at least a little bit from them. But because I am my mother's caregiver, it is my job to make sure that the, the house is safe for her, regardless of whether or not she herself finds it safe for her. And so I basically had to report both my mother being in, living in unsafe conditions as well as my sister's children. And because of that, I kind of 
lost a lot of like those relationships. Uh, but I, it's one of those situations where I'm not willing to go to prison for something, especially when it's not something that you need to be doing. And it's not something that's like, like you're trying to help somebody who's like downtrodden. It was basically drugs, you drug usage. I'm not going to keep your secret, especially when you're not even taking care of your children. You're making my mom, who needs a caregiver to take care of her, take care of four children, which she used to run a daycare, but like she's like depleted a lot so she can't still do those things because you know she needs a caregiver for a reason i wanted to stop there because i felt a lot of guilt for a while about that because i was said i was told like you don't do that to the family and i was like well you also don't do this like the reverse thing to the family and you wouldn't put somebody in a position where they would have to go to prison to protect your secret. And I, in the past, have tried to explain that, but it's kind of in a situation where no matter how hard you try to explain something, someone, they're not going to see your side. But the reason why I stopped it here is because I feel like if people understood why you have to report it and they see it like through a doctor's therapist, like doing it, it helped me watching this understand like and forgive myself a little bit because I felt guilty. But really I felt shamed because what they were trying to do was shame me into not speaking because they're nothing they were saying was justified because guilt can be justified shame cannot nothing that they were saying was guilting me they were just trying to shame me into silence which is a tactic people use and that's why i stopped it here because i wanted to highlight that even though they're trying to help terry they have to report it because Terry is the one taking care of Roy and she's allowed to get it this bad. And even though in the beginning of this episode, we say Roy said he didn't want to say anything because he didn't want to get into a fight, he clearly does not want this at his house. And Terry isn't able to separate enough to know that this is her job, not her home. And even so, even if it was her home, you can't make your home unsafe for other people to live in, especially if you're their caregiver. But just in general, like you shouldn't live in those conditions, but you should also shouldn't force other people to do that either. We are 106 um and i stopped because dr nazario just said i don't know why it is that people have to get so broken to heal and this resonates with me so much because when i finally got help uh with what i was going through i felt like i was on the edge of something really bad um and i and the ironic thing is up until that point i kept trying to find help and do it by myself but when one thing after the other just kept going wrong i just felt like something was wrong with me the only logical thing i could think to do is not something i wanted to do and that's why i was like i i, I can't think i'm obviously not thinking straight i want to go and seek help and then from there i went and found a social worker and then the social worker um helped to get me in touch with um, medication, but also with getting in touch with the Parcel Hospitalization Program. And I spent like six weeks there learning and reconditioning my brain uh, with tools that I'm sharing now, because if I had those, I would never put myself in that position. And DBT helped me with that, as did sunken cost, knowing how to let that go. And all the things I'm going over is just things that have helped me. And I needed a reminder myself personally, which is why I did this, because May was hard for me. Um, and I'm trying to get through it. But when the mountain feels like it's growing, but it's made of rock, that could be an issue. But all you have to do is remind yourself that it's a slope and you just got to keep climbing and eventually you'll make it to the top and then you'll come back down. And that's why I found what she said really inspirational because I broke. And then from there, I put myself back together again, but 
not with scotch tape, which is what which is what I had been doing. So when I broke again, it was easy. Now I feel like I'm doing it with some really heavy glue, maybe Gorilla Glue, and it'll be very hard to break me again. Maybe even cement. Who knows? We'll have to see. Okay, we are at 1:15, um, and this is the part where Dr. Zazio is meeting with Terry and her sister, um, and they're talking about the passing of their mother. And the reason why I stopped it here is because if you could take only one thing out of this episode, the best thing I could, the best thing I could tell you is if you're so at a loss about why you're feeling a certain way, the best thing you can do is ask why, and just keep re like repeating that once you have answers. Like, why did I just yell at somebody? Well, you know, they kind of like were really aggressive, and then like why? Why did their aggression upset me? Well, because it reminded me of this, and then why? Why did it remind you of this? And you just have to dig deeper and deeper until you get to the core of why you feel a certain way. And then once you know the core of it, then you can start chipping away at it. So that way you can either let it go or it can affect you like a little bit less every time. Getting to the core of it is something that I feel like is a really good message to take away. How does that feel, everyone? We finally end this on a happy note. Terry, not only does Terry get to live in her house now, she can stay overnight, but she also doesn't have to worry about APS doing anything because she solved the problem at Roy's house. But the cherry on top of it all, Craig finally getting on down on that one knee and finally after 45 years proposing to the woman that he loves, I was like, what's a happy thing that I could talk about DBT? And I was like, you know what? Having somebody do all that and then finally getting to share how much you love somebody and finally being able to become a fiance. I'm just like, it's so magical and happy. And I'm like, I've ended it on sad notes or like, you know, not as happy or grandiose, but I just love that it was a celebration. We got to see like all of Terry's dreams finally come to fruition. She got to finally have that art studio that she always wanted. She got to finally be with the man that she loved. She finally has the ability to get aftercare help and look after herself and hopefully lose uh, more of her stuff so that she doesn't have to deal with this with the rest of her life because I don't know how much time they have left, but I hope that they're spending it together, uh, her and Craig, obsessing about the stuff that she lost because it seemed like she was able to let those things go happily. And I hope that she can, she can continue to do that. We all deserve happiness and I wish them the best. I don't know how old this episode is, but that's kind of where I want to leave it with you guys. And I hope that you guys are living your best lives. And if you're holding on to something, question whether or not you need it in your life. And if you need it in your life, why? And make sure that it really you're passionate about because don't hold on to something because of pure uh, pressure. Only hold on to it if it's what you're passionate about and what you love, because that stuff should matter to you, not to other people, because you're the ones who has to hold it either at your house or in your heart. Make sure the things you hold in your heart and in your home matter to you. Thank you for watching. Show up with Cameron Grand. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.